0: Hey, this is Melissa Parsons, and you are listening to the Your Favorite You podcast. I'm a certified life coach with an advanced certification in deep dive coaching. The purpose of this podcast is to help brilliant women like you with beautiful brains create the life you've been dreaming of with intention. My goal is to help you find your favorite version of you by teaching you how to treat yourself as your own best friend. If this sounds incredible to you and you want practical tips on changing up how you treat yourself then you're in the right place. Just so you know, I'm a huge fan of using all of the words available to me in the English language, so please proceed with caution if young ears are around. Oh, hi. Welcome back to your favorite you. Today, I'm asking you to question who you are living your life for. Now, if I was an English teacher, I would say, for whom are you living your life? But I'm not, so we're keeping it. Who are you living your life for? As I said before in the podcast and in my writings to you on my social media or in the emails I send to all the folks on my email list, as an aside, if you're not signed up to get my emails yet, you may go to my website, melissaparsonscoaching.com and scroll to the bottom of any of the pages and add yourself to the list. Anyway, I've already said these things, but I'm going to say them again and again until you start to believe me. We only have one precious life that I know of. I am increasingly open to other possibilities, though, if I'm being honest. But we only have this one life that we're living right now. And the relationship you have with yourself is the only one that lasts for your entire life here on Earth. No one is coming to save you or force you to make your relationship with yourself better. So this will have to be a conscious decision you need to make for yourself. Knowing all of this, I would like to suggest that if you are not living your life for yourself, this is your sign to start. As many of my coaches have said to me and others, you don't need a signier sign. This is it. I want to teach you all that anything you're doing in your life usually makes complete sense, even if what you're doing is directly counter to what you say you want. Because of the way we were socialized as kids, many of us start out by living our lives for our parents. This makes sense because as young kids, we're dependent on our parents or the adults in our life to keep us alive and to provide for us. Many of us make decisions and live for our parents until we move out and start living for ourselves and making decisions for ourselves. Many of us continue living for our parents and their acceptance and approval For far longer than is necessary for our survival. Some of us move out, live for ourselves for a short period of time. Then we meet someone that we want to spend time with and spend a life with and start living for and making decisions for that person. Then some of us choose to have or adopt children and start living for and making decisions for the kids. Now, there is definitely a period of time and a percentage of time where we want to live for and make decisions for our spouse or significant other, and or for our children. But this period often goes on way longer than is necessary to form a bond with our spouse or our kids. So many of the parents who brought their kiddos to me in the office, so many of the parents on our kids' sports teams or in their classes, so many of the moms I help in my coaching practice now are attempting to live vicariously through their kids. And they are determining their worth as people based on the success or failures of the kids. Their schedules are very full with their children's activities, such that they have zero time on their calendar that is actually set aside for themselves. Then, of course, we have people who are living for their careers. Their schedules are so full of hours and hours of work. They're working all day. They might take a break to eat dinner occasionally or to use the bathroom or to bathe, and then they get right back to work, answering emails, working on projects, charting, responding to patient messages. This makes sense if you're tying your worth to your job or your career. If your worth is tied up in proving that you are the hardest worker or that you care the most, it makes total sense that you are living for your job. It's interesting because I had some concerns about who would possibly take care of my patients when I retired from my pediatric practice. And more dramatically, I have heard other physicians and veterinarians and nurses and teachers and accountants say that they could not possibly, quote unquote, abandon their patients, their partners at work, their bosses, their spreadsheets. That is the word that a lot of them use, abandon. For me personally, it turns out that I had nothing to worry about at all. People figured it out. It's hard to realize that we're all replaceable. Not one of us is irreplaceable. Now, sure, some folks wish I was still practicing pediatrics, but those that truly love me and still love me, hopefully, are so happy and thrilled for me that I am living my life exactly as I want to. I'm about to go off on another tangent. You're welcome. Anyone who is upset that you started creating boundaries or that you started making decisions that benefits the life that you want to live, they are not your people. They never liked you for you. They liked you for what you could do for them. Those people getting weeded out of your life is a gift. It might sting when it happens if you take it personally when they go, but you will eventually figure out how losing these people is not a problem at all. One of the most fun things that happens when you start living your life for you is that other people start to learn from your example. They see you out in the world being a total badass, and they get the idea that the same life may be also possible for them. I talked in last week's episode about figuring out what your values are and aligning your time with your values. I'm basically going into this at a much deeper level on this episode. We will link to last week's episode in the show notes so that those of you listening to this in 2024 know what the fuck I'm talking about. As I mentioned previously, I grew up in a funeral home, and I think living there and having my family work there gives me a unique perspective. When I was younger, my dad had this old-fashioned movie projector in his arrangement office, and he had this movie about death and dying that I quite morbidly now that I think about it, loved to watch. It was a movie he would show to talk about death and dying with families. My friends from grade school and maybe even my bestie from high school, Alicia, might remember me dragging them down to my dad's office in the lounge of the funeral home and projecting this movie on the wall. It was about a woman who did not know she only had 24 hours to live. She sings poorly about if she just had 24 hours for living, the things that don't matter could wait. She'd play with her children and hear all their stories. She would tell them she loved them before it was too late. You're so lucky I didn't sing that for you, you guys. <laughs> I, I, I have the tune and I sing it all the time in my brain and just count yourselves lucky. Recently, I posed this question to my clients if I get the sense that they're resisting the idea that they can choose to live their life for themselves and that making this choice will be best for them and for everyone that they care about. Like I said on a recent podcast, I am fully understanding that I have likely lived through more summers than I have left on the earth. And this realization helps me sink in and ask myself what I want for my life. And if I don't have it, what exactly is standing in the way? Anyway, I asked my clients, what if you knew you only had five years to live? What would change about your life as it stands? What about one year? What falls away when I give you only one year? How about a month? What about a week? Of course, the less time remaining, people are more willing to be selfish, quote unquote, and do whatever makes their heart sing. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of you go out and start living as though it's your last week on earth. But knowing for sure that none of us knows how long we're going to be here, I suggest you truly do the work to figure out what makes you thrilled or at least nervous to get out of bed in the morning. That's my favorite emotion. I love to feel half nervous, half excited, nervous And you start doing more of that. Now, this is not to say that somehow by doing this work of figuring out what makes you thrilled or nervous sighted is going to make your life miraculously without the negative 50% of life. That negative half of life we all have to deal with. That's not it at all. But trust me when I tell you that life sucks so much less when you actually start living your life for you and stop living your life for anyone or anything else. Just so that I can refute the argument that you think that I'm some special unicorn and that this type of life is not for you, I asked a few of my current and former clients if they might be willing to share some things that have changed about their lives since they started being willing to live their life for themselves more than they are living for anyone or anything else. So here are some of the responses I got. My client Kim shared so much from her generous heart she said, quote, so many things. I feel confident to speak my truth and not care what people think about me. I know taking care of myself trickles into all of my relationships. I show up as a whole person not looking to be fulfilled in relationships. I know I can handle whatever comes my way, even new things I never imagined. I focus on evolution, and it doesn't feel like work. I am propelled forward toward growth. I feel my feelings and I have compassion for myself. I no longer focus on being happy, though I sure am sometimes. I focus on living a vibrant life full of the good and the bad. I dream of bigger things. I don't just wish away my days for the weekend. Another of my clients responded by saying, I'm not in constant conflict with my kiddo. I'm more patient with him and can more easily recognize that his emotions are not a reflection of my parenting. They are just his emotions in that moment, and they are valid. I'm also starting a small business, even though I'm scared. But I also know that I have my own back now, so I can move forward while also being a little scared. Another client, Nicole, said, What has changed about my life since coaching? everything and nothing. I'm still at the same job with the same kids, the same husband. Like many working moms, the illusion of doing it all, having it all was supposed to be the goal. And it should be attainable if you were just quote unquote good enough. This very slowly led me to doing everything for everyone but myself. My hard work ethic and passion for my profession was good for a while. It pushed and motivated me to work hard in undergrad and in vet school. It drove and shaped me into the high-performing, badass veterinarian that I am today. And trust me, she's a total fucking badass. But after a time trying to be the perfect mom, the perfect employee, the perfect wife, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend, I was exhausted. The stress gradually mounted until I felt like I didn't do anything well. So what the hell was I doing? I was drowning in overwhelm and I knew something needed to change. One of the thoughts I had when I decided to sign up for coaching was, quote, I just need to learn to better manage my stress, unquote. I was hoping Melissa Parsons had the magic solution so I could do all the things, be all the things to all the people and not feel so miserable. Melissa helped me see how people pleasing and being a control enthusiast was actually what was making me miserable. I was saying yes to everyone but myself. She helped me realize how the thoughts in my brain were driving my feelings, actions, and therefore results. Once I recognized this, where those habits originated from, and why my brain was programmed to react in certain ways, I could work on making changes. Those changes really were about figuring out what I needed and what worked for me without overextending myself and without feeling guilty for being human and having needs. It was slow at first. It felt uncomfortable and the changes were small, but they gradually built upon themselves. And once I saw the positive results, it became easier to stick with it and make more changes. I started to feel much more relaxed, so much more peaceful. I released a lot of pent-up anxiety And most importantly, I started enjoying the life I had so carefully built over the years for myself and for my family. That's one hell of a testimonial, Nicole. Thank you. Another client said, sure, I would be glad to help. Here we go. Number one, I do not worry half as much when a situation arises with my adult children that is an incident I can't control. The old me would have kept reaching out to them to see what I could do to help. Number two, I feel so much better about not trying to control or understand others' actions and just accept them. Number three, I no longer say I am sorry when I never did anything wrong in the first place. Number four, I look to my future doing what I want to do. Number five, I know that I am responsible for me being happy. Number six, I've learned to have compassion for my ex husband instead of being upset with him at the decisions he makes. My next client, Emily, replied Even though my boss offered to cover the cost of my coaching, I wasn't willing to wait six months to get started. So I went ahead and invested in myself. I felt that I was in a position where I knew I needed help with many things, personal and professional. The weight was heavy. And although I was confident I would make it out alive, taking the time to invest in myself and making the commitment to getting help was something I deserved and owed it to myself to think about managing through all the emotions differently and waiting on my boss would be a disservice to me. That was the start of something really transformative. Making space for me has always been a foreign concept. I have spent a lifetime trying to minimize myself in all ways, thinking that if I could take up zero space, that would be the ultimate service to others. It's taken a lot of thought work to realize how absolutely fucking ridiculous that thought process is. I have two kiddos, and the last thing I want is for them to learn to feel or learn from their mother is that their needs, their wishes, their happiness is second to everyone else's because that is bullshit. It's okay to ask for what you need and those things you want and desire. That doesn't make you greedy or selfish. It makes you you. And there's room for each and every one of us on this earth. And in this effort to create space for myself, it's been remarkable. The reactions I have received about this evolution in my thinking has not led to others feeling I'm being a bitch or selfish or greedy, but a heightened sense of respect and reciprocation. It's such a clean and clear way of communicating with people. The best part in this change of thinking and subsequent behavior has been in my relationship with my family, both my kids and my husband. I smile more. I laugh more. All because I have cleared the gnawing and nagging thoughts that have taken up so much space in my mind, the doubting, the replaying of every conversation to ensure myself I said the right words, made the right assumptions, said what I could to control the other person's thoughts. All the thoughts that centered around the fallacy that I could actually control someone else's thoughts, which is crazy. All of these things took up so much energy and space, making it extremely difficult to be present and to participate in the things that I love the most with both my mind and my heart. I've given up on controlling others and have begun to focus on only things I can control. She said, I hope these help. Thank you again for asking all the right questions. That's the best compliment as a coach. (laughs) I'm asking all the right questions. Thank you for that compliment, Emily. You guys, I have the most amazing clients. You can see that they all swear almost as much as I do. I reached out to them yesterday, and I had these incredible responses back in just a few hours. I'm so grateful that I get to be their coach or that I was their coach in the past. I will always consider myself their forever coach. Now, I think I'm going to get some flack from some of you that want to live your life for other people. And who think that that is what gives you life. And if that's true for you and you really have little to no resentment toward the people or the things you're living your life for, then this particular episode of your favorite you is not for you. And you can just stop listening or you can reject everything I've said. And that is not a problem for me because you see, I'm not living my life for you. I'm sharing my thoughts in the hopes that they help and provide value for just one of you. If that was you, you're welcome, and my work here is done. If this sounds like something you would like help figuring out and unraveling, I would love to be your coach. Go to MelissaParsonsCoaching.com and go to the Work With Me tab. Click Book Now and schedule a one-hour consult. I could also still use your help to get the word out about this podcast. So if you are loving your favorite you, please share it with your friends. Please review it on Apple Podcasts so that other people all around the globe can find it. I appreciate your support so much. I want you to know that. Thank you for listening. See you next week. If you like what you're hearing so far, and you think others would benefit from your favorite you, it would be epic if you take a couple of minutes to rate and review the podcast. Ratings and reviews are the best way to make podcasts discoverable. I'd love it if you give me your honest opinion, especially if you adore me. And of course, a five star review would be fantastic. If you click the subscribe button, you'll automatically receive weekly episodes without having to do anything else. If you feel called to share it with others you think might love it, then I will love you forever. You will become my newest favorite podcast listener. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Your Favorite You. If you like what you're hearing and want to learn more, head over to melissaparsonscoaching.com. If you want to work with me to find your favorite you, to become your own best friend so that you can create the life you want with intention, please go to melissaparsonscoaching.com forward slash contact to set up a consult to work with me one-on-one. I so look forward to meeting you.